Cool. Uh, right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us again. This is episode two of How to Make a Video Game with Auric Digital. I'm joined. Uh, my name is Matt Davis. I'm the marketing community manager here, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Matthew Walker. I'm a sound designer and music designer. Just off air, we, we were discussing how to further, you know, define ourselves away mm. from Matt. Matthew, do you have two T's? Are you one T? I'm like, a 2T, Matt. That's I'm, I'm a 2T, Matt, yeah, as well. Okay. So, that mean, makes us sound like motorbikes, though. <laughs> it's, I tell you what, with each and every episode, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to try and distinguish ourselves as human beings <laughs> outside of our voices. Yeah, mean? yeah. So, look, again, like I say, I, I do think Matthew has the more radio voice. I do think so. Because mm. I, I, I had to listen back to the podcast last time, and I, I just really don't think I've got a voice for radio. See, I, I completely disagree with that, because you've got, you've got a really... Uh, certainly working in sound you've got this this tone that cuts through most mixes like it's just <laughs> so i'm Matt like the, Davis uh, yeah mix. so yeah. I, I see i was going to describe you as the galaxy milk chocolate of the of the of the podcast and i was going to be more like a, a snickers <laughs> 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 that was going to be my <laughs> That's, I think that's the greatest compliment I've ever any received. Anytime, anytime, Matthew. Well, <laughs> we should also say there was a third laugh there, but we should also introduce our guest for today. So if you'd like to do your introduction. Yes, hello. I'm Peter Willington, and I am the creative producer here at Auric Digital. Thank you very much for joining what us, Peter. What chocolate am I? Um, that's a great question. I'm gonna... Should we leave that until the end of the oh, episode? Oh, let's have a think, let's have a think of Maybe, that. Yeah. yeah, okay. That is an interesting one. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll ponder. I'll ponder where that. Yeah, I want to ponder on that as well. Okay. Um, I do have to pick something up though before we before we carry on. It's a very important part of this yeah. episode, though. Uh, Matthew Walker, you had some homework. From I last, did. And did you complete your homework of playing a Civilization game? Oh, that was my homework. That was your homework. Uh, yes. Uh, well, then oh, was there other homework? Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a resounding no. Um, <laughs> no. Having said that, mm. having said that, I did go into a charity shop recently, a local charity shop, and they had two Civ games. One was Civ Four. Yeah. Right. And then something else. I think it was Civ Civ Three, like Deluxe Edition. It had mm. it had some expansions and stuff. But that, I mean, that's this is content for another podcast. But like, when you buy a PC game yeah. from a charity yeah. shop, yeah. one, yeah. can you play it? Yeah. Two, is that legal? Yeah. To resell well, so something you, like well, that. So when, okay. So uh, uh, when you get into like legal areas, like there's a really weird grey area about like who actually owns a game. Like when you when you pay money for a game, you actually pay money for the license to play the game. So technically, you don't actually ever own the content. Right. Right. Yeah. So so you are you have a you have a license to play it, and that's why technically when a game. Uh, you know, you might download a game, for example, and if it runs out, as in if they just turn the servers off and you can't play it anymore, well, that's fine because your license has essentially expired. Right. You don't right. own the right to play it in perpetuity. Okay. And it's also where there's like a grey market around like emulation from like, you know, NES games and SNES games right. and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you own the, the original game, you can make as many copies of it as you want if you live in the United, the United States. You can own as many copies as you want. Sorry, you can make as many copies of your own copy of the game. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you're yeah. a license to play that copy yeah, of the yeah. game. Yeah. So, um, before we get into the meat of the episode, I have um, I have a fun little intro question for us all to to ponder and think about. So, I would like us to think about what our favorite intro music is to a video game. So, last time we did our favorite video game of all time, I asked the really hard question to yeah. Tom when he was here. But I thought, you know what? Let's just let's try and get a bit more granular. Try and get into the minutiae of it. Um, who wants to go first? Do you want me to? Um, I'll go first. Mm -hmm. um, so unlike, Being the sound guy, that does well, make sense that you yeah. would want to go first. Um, so. 
the, the, the question from the first episode, which you, you described as it being like the hardest uh, questions, was really easy. I found that dead easy to, to answer. This one was more challenging. And I could easily say the opening sequence to Final Fantasy VII because that is just magnificent oh. with the train and the panning Beautiful. out. It's, Beautiful. It's an incredible sequence of events, right? But... I've been, you forced my hand to step away from that. Correct. So, <laughs> good. And I'm just looking at my list now, and I've still put two down, and I, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna name one, okay? And oh, I'm gonna cool. say Killer Instinct, right? On, <laughs> on the snares, okay? On, I don't know, I don't know whether it's the snares or the, maybe the N64 version. I'm gonna say the N64 version because yeah. just that thumping track, mm. like. Mm. It's so ominous, mm. and then when mm. you get that kind of now stereotyped orchestral hit, it's just you know, it's like I'm there. It's, yeah. yeah, you know, it's. Who I mean, that yes, on? <laughs> yes, we can joke about it, and, and you know, it's an incredibly fun track. But technically, it just does its job so so well. Yeah. It's about getting you pumped mm. up mm. for some killer combos, <laughs> right? Mm. That's what Killer mm. Instinct is, with some really interesting characters. And it's a very frantic, intense game. But that track alone just gets me fired up to just smash that con- that Ooh, cartridge. I, just I like go it. for it. I like it. Well, I, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Pete come in with, the, with his one to finish off the piece. Because I've I, got a nice sideline there. Because my choice is Hellmarch 2 from <laughs> Command & Conquer Red Alert 2. Which I absolutely... Now, that is it. Now, if you what want that... No, oh, no, no, no. Wait. Mine actually made it to my gym playlist. Okay? Because oh, wow, if okay. I need to go in the gym and, I'm, and I, I want to I you know, focus on something really intensely. Like, yeah. I'm going to pick up a five kilogram dumbbell. I'm going to pick this thing. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. kill this thing. And, and you don't need Killer Instinct for that? No, no, no. You need... Yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to add the songs in here. We can just do it. Just, just for the record, you, you, now that we've both done a, de- done a demonstration of our uh, oh. those themes, Pete, you've got to do the same. You okay. have to do the same. That is going to be a thing. But no, I, I really... For me, I mean, the game is a fun game anyway, but I remember first booting it up, and, espe- and especially the Hell March 2, because... It's the one with the wacky Soviet versus allies and they've got like psychic powers and all the other harebrained stuff that goes on in it. And the intro, and again, it's like that Final Fantasy thing you were talking about. We've got that intro scene with the train and stuff. This one's got like Zeppelins coming over New York and Washington. You've got the big, um, uh, no, it is New York with the uh, Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. You've got all of that sort of like imagery and stuff like that. Oh, it's, it's just so cool. Just, yeah. I would suggest listening to it with... The intro at the same time. The okay, main intro. Okay, thing. So, right. so there's two bold choices. So we're ready now. We're ready now, Pete. We're ready for this. Hit us, Pete. Hit us. No. No, blank looks here. Oh, <laughs> that's a great snippet for the that, podcast. That is a great snippet. <laughs> oh, what, is, what is that? No? Okay, no. so that's, that is Kirby. Beautiful. Oh, gosh. That is Green Beautiful. Greens from the specifically the NES version, Okay, uh, which is Kirby's Adventure. Um, <laughs> and um, it's because I, I think, like, so people talk a lot about, um, like, the nose having a very, dis- like, a very quick... Uh, access to the brain and like that's why when you smell things you immediately go oh I remember lilies that that year Um, uh, and um, for me that I think it's kind of similar with sound and Kirby's Adventure on the NES is uh, one of the earliest games that I played um, and really really like chose to play Mm -hmm. so like I had a selection of games at this point when I was when I was young um, and Kirby's Adventure was the one that I always gravitated towards, and it was always just joyous. Mm. And that that it 
it does. It just evokes that, you know, you're talking about, you know, games that evoke, like in Final Fantasy VII, for example, that evoking that train sequence. Well, this just evokes that just, you know, sucking up enemies and floating across and yeah. like the the beautiful bold color palette. Like Kirby's Adventure was one of the latest games on the, mm. uh, on, on the net. And, um, you know, it really was just a, a joy to behold. And so that's why the music really just, oh, just it just grabs me. And whenever I think about it... I will go it, and listen to it again. Oh, I will definitely gorgeous. say I will, I will. If I don't see gorgeous little pink tune. fluffy things in my head, then I'm going to have failed horribly. That's always, that's always <laughs> what I'm thinking about. So this, this entire chat, though, is making me feel so fuzzy inside because, like, music yeah. is the ultimate, like... Nostalgia trip, isn't it? Well, it's a nostalgia trip, but it's, it's the ultimate language. Like, mm. it doesn't mm. matter whether yeah. there's cultural divide or anything like that. Music yeah. just connects people. It doesn't matter even if you're even musical or anything. Yeah. It's something you uh, interpret, you associate with a mm. certain memory, something very, it's very it's so abstract. Yeah. It's yeah. the most abstract art form, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, a, as a fan of uh, very obscure heavy metal, actually, when you go abroad and you meet someone, who's, I met a guy in Thailand once who really liked one of the T-shirts I was wearing, and I was like, this is so cool. Like, we are from, like, totally opposite ends of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're both like, cool. And we're just both... Just do like, the point cool. of nod. Yeah, just point of nod. Like, like, yeah, cool. yeah. And he was like, cool, man. I was like, yeah, cool, man. There must be, there must be a gift for that. There must be a gift for that. 100%. 100%. Um, no, that's, no, that's a good shout. That's a very... Actually, three good shouts. So if you have your own favourite and you'd like to let us know, we'd love to hear it. And I'd like to know if there's anything you can improve on within that. But I think we should probably talk about what we're here to talk about today. Okay. So, um, today's episode, we're going to be... Uh, so, thank you very much, Pete, for joining us to, That's to right. talk us about this today. Um, we're going to be talking about what the difference is between a good game and a good product. So, that's a bit of an interesting title. So, um, I guess we better start with the first off. Um, well, uh, uh, the, the first question we'll ask is, what is the difference? Is there one? Yeah, okay. So, um, you hear a lot of people talking about, like, we need to make a good game. Or, you know, um, you hear about companies... Um, a lot of indie companies especially who, who are very obsessed with making a really good game and actually the, what they're interested in doing really is making a really good product because the game is part of the product but the, the, the product encompasses so much more, right? So the game itself is... Um, okay, so like to give an example of something that's not our studio... Um, let's go with something like well we talked about Civilization earlier right so like Civilization is Civilization 6 is the game right mm -hmm. and then you have the DLC which isn't the game it's more than the game it's, yeah. it's extra to the game you know so that's part of the product but it's also the licensed soundtrack that you can purchase individually it's the um, it's the board game adaptations it's the Brat, it's that sort of feel of I love playing Civilization. So a good a good example would be like, <clears throat> for example, I consider my I've said in the past I'm a Civ fan. Yeah. Uh, rather than being a specific now, my favorite video game in that series is Alpha Century. Sure. But I have played Civ two. I played sure. Civ three. Played Civ four. Civ five. Civ six. Yeah. Revolutions. All the other ones. Yeah. So when they release a game, I'm interested yeah, in that yeah, yeah. Co in that concept. Yeah, around because they've built out the brand as part of the product, right? And so, but product also encompasses, um, uh, you know, saying saying is a game good, right? That's a that's a very a qualitative statement. But you can also talk about what well, is the marketing for that game good? Does does the is the marketing part of your game? Probably not, because you're not you've not got developers on it. But marketing certainly at our studio is like really really important in terms of talking to, to people who play our games, like uh, thinking about how we design our games from the very beginning to actually like 
include that stuff. Um, and I think product basically encompasses a lot more than just let's make a good game. Um, a good product is its monetization, its uh, its uh, you know brand awareness, um, and everything else that goes into that product, not just the core game itself. Yeah. Okay, that makes it. So, so how would you? How, so okay, when so when 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 we as a studio make a game, and when the people who are listening to this yeah. who are considering making a game or yeah. they're thinking about it, aspiring to, do you start with the product or do you start with the game? Like, it, do you like you know, is it the the core fundamentals of the game need to be there before you can create a product, or actually, do you really need to be thinking about? The overview of the price. It's a chicken and egg situation, maybe. I think, yeah, a, a lot of it is, is, is chicken and egg. I mean, it depends what you want to get out of it. Like, if you're making games to make, to, to, you know, for a commercial reason, like, you want to make money out of this at the very end of it, I think it's probably best to start thinking about those at the same time because they do very much go hand in hand. You can't have the product without the game. You can't really have the game without everything else that goes into the product. Um, whereas if what you're doing is, you know, let's say, for example, you're like, you're a hobbyist developer and all you really want to do is just, Try and you know put a, a nice platforming game out on mobile for a hundred you know a couple of hundred people like you know you're starting out maybe it's a student project or something like that like I would suggest probably like just focusing on making a cool good game is is, is probably better there um, but certainly if you're making commercial if you're making you know commercial products they're products you know like we are we we think of them as a whole rather than just simply the game itself because there are a lot of really good video games out there like just the actual games themselves are really good yeah. that you've never heard of yeah, yeah, because yeah. the everything around it was not particularly good. They didn't think about you know uh, who their audience was or um, what their audience might want or how they might build that build that brand in such a way that you know let's say for example you make a strategy game and it's uh, you know, it's set in Candyland. Well, that's a that might be a hard sell to strategy gamers, or yeah. you know, you make you know, yeah, like you know, you make an ultra hardcore strategy game and you put a really cute chibi art style onto yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe that's not quite the right thing. And overall, the the game might be really good, but the product might be quite poor. Yeah. Okay. Can you? Sorry. Can you call? And this is a bit of a, bit of a dumb question, but I'm quite happy to ask the dumb question. Never a dumb question on this podcast. I mean, yeah. <laughs> With yeah. us two, man, yeah. never be a dumb question. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, not so much in a physical sense, but can you call an idea? The ultimate product, like so, say take a game which has yeah. many, many moving parts. So you mentioned like, a dumb question. That's a great that's question. question. Yeah. Like, so, so you take a game. Like, what is the essence of that game? What makes it yeah. completely unique and individual? Like, is that not the real product just there? Everything else kind of filters. So that's, from that's that. the pillars of the product, right? Okay. Okay. So, so let's say, so um, to use, um, have we have we started talking about? Like Strider at all? Uh, no, well, no, we can do. I was, okay. I was actually going to lean into it after this. Yeah, okay, but yeah, cool. yeah. Well, so okay, so obviously, you know, people have seen probably that you know we've been sending out a survey about mech games, right? And we're thinking about you know how we would go ahead and make a, a mech game. And one of the things that we're going to be doing during pre-production will be figuring out what our pillars actually are for this thing, because rather than just sitting down and going, what kind of game do we want to make? We've had a little bit of that, but it's also been about well, we want to know like we've never made a mech game before like we want to go and find out what people expect from a mech game um so so as part of that research you know we we figure out that information and then we we define what our our, our product pillars are right and this is what you're i think what you're talking about so for example um and we haven't landed on any of them but one of our pillars might end up being um 
let's say uh, chibi robots no, chibi, yeah exactly okay well let's let's go with that right this is because, why i'm not allowed to make yeah, ideas in the uh, game right, by the way. I, I, I wanted gigantor but nobody wanted gigantor which is a real shame 1950s robot game that's one that day license. one day uh so like so so let's say for example you were making like a chibi robot game right you would one of the pillars would be it needs to be that it it's cute as heck right like it's so cute and the pillar would be you would have that in a design forum and it would be up in the studio and you would say this game is cute right anything that moves away from that pillar anything that is not cute anything that's like really gross or like really grim um that's not cute so that that's moving away from the pillar and therefore it's likely it wouldn't be included in the overall product and that that's in the game itself so for example like you know we wouldn't have a ultra dark gritty storyline if we're trying to make everything really really cute yeah sure um but that also might be let's say for example we decided to do like we span a product out of it that was uh, a different game like a physical card game or a uh point and click adventure spin-off or something like that you know something bonkers um something that we would do uh like <laughs> like you know we would think we would think to ourselves very hard well if this is part of the this mech game universe, it has to be cute as well because it's part, the the brand itself, the product itself is cute. So we wouldn't therefore make you know an ultra, um, you know, I don't know, like you know, super slick, super like cool looking art style. We we just lean back into the, yeah. the cutesy art style okay. again. Okay. Yeah, and I suppose that comes back to that. So and again, a, a shout out to all the four four hundred ninety plus people who uh, filled out. in our our survey. Whoop whoop up in the air. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> gonna I'm yep. gonna send that out to all the Reddits now, and you can yeah. laugh at me if yeah. you have heard that from there. <laughs> yeah. But um, but no no. I mean, again, it, it's quite important. Then so it. Is that something that a lot of studios do or are we quite unique in that regard or is it something that you think, you know? Um, well, so the big studios, so uh, as part of all of this, we did a lot of research into, because um, this is all quite new for us. Um, you know, previous titles, we might not necessarily have done nearly as much of this. Um, and I think there's not a huge amount of information about it out there. It's certainly a thing that is, I believe, taught in, in, um, in, university and video uh, game school video game school um but it's a lot of that is kind of seen as theoretical because of course as soon as you get into making commercial games then you're really just working with the processes that that studio had or that that publisher has has put in place so sometimes that doesn't happen and of course like they're private entities we don't actually know how a lot of these places work unless you go on to places like so gdc has um, game developers conference has a youtube channel which is really really good if you're interested in like how video games get made and they basically just film their talks at their big San Francisco oh, conference cool. and they put them out there. And one of the things that I found really interesting is a few studios do um, talk about pillars a lot. Right. And they not not just like they think of them at the start of the, of the game and then come up with a GDD design for it and then go, ah, that'll be fine. GDD stands for? It's a game design document, which is where the, it's basically a living document whereby the, the designer is putting that information in there and saying, well, this is what you're making. Yeah. Um, they don't just do that and then go, oh, that's fine, and then like leave them. They they every single task that that comes into the pipeline, they think to themselves, how much does this impact a you know one of our pillars? Like, it, does it move towards what we want to achieve? And then there are some big studios that don't, and that's how you end up with um, games that feel uh, a little bit. Um, 
a little bit kind of uh, um, confused or like products that don't feel cohesive. Mm. So here's an interesting question then on that. So, um, so the, the, you're, it's almost like crowdsourcing an opinion uh, or, or, or a crowdsourcing useful, an yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. What is the benefit of potentially doing a more uh, dictatorial approach? As in, yep. create. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we talked about in the last podcast with Tom was coming up with your, like, one of the pieces of advice he gave to people was like, don't make your perfect game first. No, because you no. need to. You need to wait until you've built up you your tools and whatever else. And yeah, you should screw up and make that. Yeah. So where, where into? Because one of the anecdotal things I heard through the the mm-hmm. research that we had from the War Striders information was people saying, oh, you know, you should make. Just make, a, make, make the game you want to make. Why, why are you asking yeah. us what's going on? And I found that quite interesting because I thought people would want to know. So yeah. where's the benefit of, okay. of that? And why do we not do it for, for, this, for our projects? Yeah, cool. So, um, so I take quite a pragmatic approach to making video games. And uh, I don't think, I don't know whether or not designers would like this. But um, when we talk about products... Uh, in the world generally, we're also talking about things like washing up liquid. <laughs> we're talking about cars. Yep. We're talking about yep. music. Mm. We're talking about all sorts of things. And the thing is that with commercial products that are made specifically to sell, and that's why I gave this big caveat up front about if you're making commercial games, then this is a thing that you'd be interested in. Um, then you have to find an audience. And if you're... if if you sit, you know, and in by yourself and you think to yourself, I think people would like this. Well, that's a huge guess. You might be really tuned in, right? So, for example, like uh, the, the, the person who made um, Stardew Valley, for example, really understood what Harvest Moon was and yeah. what people wanted from a new Harvest Moon and then went, I'm going to spend four or five years making it. Right. And at that point, they understood the audience implicitly because mm. they understood what that game was, right? But if you're coming up with like a new idea, you know, you don't even know if people want that game, right? Yeah. So, so, uh, so just sitting there and thinking, I think this would be a cool idea for a game is like a washing up liquid company going, I think this would be a good idea for a, for a, for a product. Should we do market research? Nah. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels just as silly to me. Mm. However, if you're, if you're doing the more auteur route, yeah. i.e. you're not necessarily interested in having a commercial benefit, um, you just want to make the thing you want to make, then you can go the Jonathan Blow route, which is, I'm just going to make Braid because I think this is a really cool idea for a game yeah. and maybe it will sell. You know, yeah. And obviously Braid sold really well. Um, and there are a lot of examples of games where that does work. But I would warrant that there are more examples of games that didn't do market research that failed than more than games that did do market research and failed. Yeah, that's no, I think that's a, that's that's probably a fair point. And I think it's probably that you, you're, you're probably right. ultimately it's like if you've got something that is so specific that you're going to yeah. that you, you, you it's just it is your passion project then you won't care if it sells or not potentially because right. right. yeah. but there's also that thing of like there's also that thing of what I'm absolutely never going to advocate for is you shouldn't just design by data like mm. yep. ju- like solely by data because data can only tell you certain things because you're always going to interpret it yep. it's always going to be a human figuring out what that data actually means yeah, yeah. so we found that with our strider stuff yeah, right yeah. so like many late nights on by the way yeah. just 
<laughs> but like, you know, we were looking at that stuff and we were like, well, what does this mean? Yeah. What, like, and we're interpreting that data. And some of that data, we might just chuck out because we might go, do you know what? We're not going to, in the end, we're not going to make this, it, this very specific part of the game that we've asked a question about. Mm. We might not follow up on that. Like yeah. we, you know, we might do single player. We might not, we might do multiplayer, we might not. And so all of that multiplayer data, we might just go, do you know what? Gone. Or, yeah. you know, workshop or whatever, any, yeah. any of these things. Um, and so, and so at the end of the day, you have to make design decisions yourself because it is an art form, but you can then use the quantitative, quantitative data yeah. to say, to, to check your thinking. So for example, you might think to yourself, um, oh, we should totally do a multiplayer game. And you might find out from that research, no one wants multiplayer, yeah. at which point that is a big red flag yeah like yeah that should say to you as a designer like you better have a really good multiplayer yeah. offering mm. that draws people in despite the fact they don't want it yeah yeah so we're using we're using data to we're, we're using our own opinions and our own ideas oh, yeah. and we're using the data to under to, to either challenge them or to provide a um or to provide a discussion point maybe is that a good way of putting it yeah it's it's to it's to challenge it's to constantly challenge ourselves as to why we make decisions because if we just make arbitrary ones we'll we'll end up with a product that just doesn't suit anyone so um slightly going into a marketing question here but i think it's kind of relevant which is like so who do you, who do you speak to? Because if you curated the three of ours opinion on what music you're going to have yeah. at the beginning of a game, <laughs> you are not going to come out no. with something great for our chibi robot game that no, we're going to make. Sure. So, well, I don't know, maybe Kirby's would actually would probably, good, probably win out on that one. Yeah. But so why, where is, what, 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 what's the logic for where you go and curate your ideas from and, and how do you get them? Because, and, and is there anything that, you know, that you particularly would advise people if they're looking into doing this themselves? Yeah, I think, I think, um, genre of video game and genre of theme are probably pretty strong. Like I'm not a huge fantasy fan, so I probably so so I probably wouldn't play a video game that was fantasy just because it was fantasy. Yeah. Whereas I'm quite a sci-fi fan, mm. and a, a sci-fi game that comes up, I might be like, oh, okay, I might play this just because it has a cool sci-fi theme to it. You know, a very mm. specific sci-fi theme. Um, same goes for genre of game itself. So, like, I'm a sucker for platformers right. and racing games. Like, those are my two big things. Um, so, you know, if a neat looking platform, uh, if a neat looking platformer comes out, I'm absolutely gonna give that a second look. Whereas, I mean, I gotta be honest, like, puzzle games just absolutely bore me to tears mostly because i'm stupid and so like, i just sit i don't like feeling it uh so um but i don't like puzzle games right so um i the probably sega hero count as a puzzle game oh barely <laughs> okay fine. barely so it's got cool sega stuff it does have it. cool so sega like, stuff Ooh. and it turns my brain off for half an hour it's like a yeah um so yeah um so i think i think genre is really important as well and then also i think if you're working with an intellectual property an ip um, which we often do, then I think also going and talking to that audience as well is really useful. So, for example, you know, uh, talking with, you know, if we were to do a, um, 
mask game in the future. I don't know why. <laughs> Amazing. Like, mo- well mobile, done. First thing to think about. Mobile armored strike command. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> if we were to ever do that in the future, we would go and talk with like people who like that. Yeah. But we would also talk to people who like Action Force. Wait, when you said Starcom. mask, you meant something. I was thinking of the mask. As in the green guy. Yeah. No, no, no. Do you not not... think in the 80s cartoon? Yeah, mobile yeah, armored yeah, strike command. The... Yeah. No, I, I, I get I immediately went to the, uh, yeah, the (laughs) smoking. (laughs) Yeah, but um, no, I mean, oh no, you should go and and watch Mobile Arms Strike Command. Okay. Oh, it's awful, but brilliant at the same time. (laughs) Having Um, said that, that was a great game though, The Mask on the SNES. Yeah, that was a good game on the SNES. It was a very, very satisfying platformer back in the day. You were a SNES SNES kid, weren't you? I was a SNES kid. Yeah, Yeah, I was a Mega Drive kid. It's a great game. But I mean, you'd go and talk with them, but you'd also go and talk with people who liked 80s cartoons. Mm. You'd go and talk with, so you'd go and talk with the big, you know, the big boys like, G.I. Joe and Transformers yeah. but you'd also go and talk to people that are into weird stuff that I liked when I was a kid like Visionaries and Starcom and yep. Spiral Zone and yep. like those sorts of things because they also might have some sort of input on a game based on an 80s cartoon property yeah. so um, I mean one of the benefits we've had uh as a studio is we found Reddit to be quite useful yeah. uh, for us because that's obviously a, a, a groups of people who are obviously yeah. very interested in certain opinions and um, shout out to my boys and girls no doubt in the Armored Core community <laughs> who are totally in on giving They're advice very helpful, so 58 they? responses on just or just on Reddit people talking about it you know and it's like but again it's and that's not a niche game because there's obviously quite a few of them and it's had quite a bit quite a big thing but but in terms of like you know there's not millions of people on that subreddit sure so, but they're very passionate right? yeah I was going to say one of the one of the piece of advice I would give to people is to, is to look at those sort of smaller forums yeah. and potentially not um, and again if you are listening and you're an Armored Core fan I'm not saying this in a bad way but don't ostracise people who are potentially a smaller audience or see them as a smaller audience you don't need to go yes, for I, the 8 million strong subreddit yeah you know? I, def- I definitely think that you know I think Armored Core fans like they've not had a game in a generation right mm-hmm. and like and so they are a relatively small audience and I think that that's perfectly fair and you can make games for people who like you know relatively niche titles i suppose Mm. um but like the 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 main thing is like us as an indie like quote unquote niche yeah like i mean what did the last game sell something like 200 300 units or something Mm. like that for Mm. armor core like you know if we would sell 100,000 units you know i'd be deeply happy Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah so i think yeah, going and speaking with those places and also just finding the people who care. Yeah. Mm. Like, again, like, if you're, you know, well, it's like listeners to this, right? If you've come and listened to this podcast, you probably care enough about the games that we make mm. to listen to a podcast of, you know, three Burks in a small studio <laughs> talking about how games get made. So true. And so, like, you probably want to talk to them because they, they're really invested in what your next game is. They might not buy it, but they're like, oh, I'm interested in what you do with the next, you know, we've got people who want to know what Mars Horizon is going to look like and what Dark Future is going to look like. And so, yeah, I I think talking with people who are genuinely interested is is super useful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. That's really so. So, okay. So um, we'll, 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 we'll try and um, tie it up because we're trying, we're trying to keep these a little bit, a little bit neater than we've uh, we've done in our first episode. But um, I guess the final question, I suppose, is it's quite an easy one. Well, I'll do the, I'll do the two finishing questions at the end, like we did before, but it's like, but, um, but, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you would give to someone who is who is potentially starting down the pathway of wanting to to work in production or, yeah. or into production of a game? What would you say would be the best piece of advice that they could have or go from here? Yeah, um, go and make a game. Like uh, the best thing you can do is immerse yourself in games, games culture, games language. So you know, knowing things like ArpDAO. 
like average revenue per daily active user. Like if you if you want to know if you want to work in mobile games, you need to know what ArpDAO is and ARPU and like all that. ARPU. ARPU. <laughs> average revenue per user? Active user, I think right, it okay. is. ARPU, maybe something yeah. like that. Um something along those lines. <laughs> Luckily I don't make mobile games. Um so uh but you know you want to know about some of these sorts of things and uh knowing about um just the language of games. Like if I'm t- if if somebody turns around to you and says turn-based strategy game or roguelite or one of these sorts of terms like knowing what that is is, is just super useful because again yeah. like when i talk with 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 the team um on dark future you know we have this shared language because you know if you want to get into making games you probably like games and you're talking about them pretty much i mean some exceptions but um and you certainly share that language so being a producer you need to know that stuff um don't get like too hit up on on knowing how to code because that's not what your job is and it's not to design and it's not to do art um what it is is to facilitate very very creative talented people to do their best work right and so learn how to manage your time learn how to be uh and this is going to sound awful but like learn how to lead teams yeah. because you're not you're not the boss but you are leading right like you're not you're not you're not their boss but you are leading the direction of the project right yeah. you're yeah. if 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 the analogy of a project is a is a ship or a boat or something like that uh you're the navigator right right you're the, you're the you're the captain you're the navigator yeah. you're the you know you're saying this is the direction that we're going in that ties into um I'm very aware this is the first thing I've said in about 25 minutes yeah sorry <laughs> the reason being you mentioned just then that um uh jumping into games uh, from a sort of marketing or producer point of view it's, it's a bit of a baptism baptism of fire oh yeah um, and there's no real, um, well, there probably is now like all one all powerful conquering book on the lingo and all the terminology yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. certainly, from my point of view, that, that's one of the best things to do is to just jump in and just leave all in. those preconceived notions and feelings just at the door and just yeah. say, right, I'm not going to know anything, but I'm going to walk out after this meet or social or whatever, having mm. learned a ton of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that just goes on to another point that you were saying just then about being a leader. Um, like, how do you manage dialogue? So where, where you've got like different um, departments, art, code, yep. you know, everything else, audio, you know, how do you manage that kind of dialogue and make sure that terminology is kind of crystal clear throughout from, from pre-production down to it being shipped? Like yeah. if, if it breaks down at any yeah. moment, yeah. it can be catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have very defined terms for what we mean by specific systems in the game, right? So we have in Dark Future something called that we in in the studio called the strategy layer, and the strategy layer we know to be where you go and you upgrade your car and you buy new parts and you hire oper- operatives and you do you know X Y and Z. We know what those things are. We also have the combat layer, and that is inside doing the actual car shootingness, right? And like those things, and and that, that is the technical term. That is the technical term, um, and um, like you know. And deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that, you know, other tasks have other definitions, but they but they remain constant because we have at the studio before, you know, we, process is a thing that you constantly improve. You know, when I started, you know, we we different people on the team would have different phrases for different for the same thing, and it would lead to yeah, a situation where people were talking about the same thing or talking about doing separate pieces of work, but they were actually talking about doing the same thing. So they, you'd have two coders coding the same area, and so and so yeah, sorting that out is 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 super useful. But the main thing I found is um, disseminating information as openly as possible. Like you don't want you know we talked about GDD area uh, the GDD earlier, and 
you don't want that to just be with a designer, right? Yeah. It's it's a shared document yeah. and it's always updated, but it's always updated by one person. One person yeah. has the vision mm. and they're like, this is what the game is. Yep. And um, and you spread that out. And you're right, there's there's um, you as a producer, you are communicating up the chain. So I chat with Tom mm. and Tom says, this is the kind of product that I want. Yep. And uh, I communicate down the chain. This is the kind of development that processes that we need to do. And you are in the middle and you, you are very much a facilitator, a communicator. Um, but um, there are books on it. They are okay. There is nothing better though than literally sit by yourself and make a game in um, Adventure Game Studio or something really, really even, even simpler. Like, um, yeah. you know, like a um, Twine game maker. Um, you know, you don't even need to worry about Unity or anything like that. It's just go through the process, go to a jam, go to a jam yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and see how that works because you will see certainly a, a, a jam over two days. You'll see from start to finish a production um, and you'll see what stresses, what strains, what coders think, how coders think. Um, you'll find out about things like uh, um, like development flow, like don't disturb your developers constantly because it takes five or ten minutes for them to get back into coding that line of that, that line of code or putting those last flecks to the to the beautiful two D concept art that's being made. Um, you'll learn about all of these things and and yeah, I mean the uh, the butterscotch shenanigans guys um, uh, they do this podcast. It's just it's fantastic and a little bit a little <laughs> bit like this a little bit like rival <laughs> podcast they do uh, and they talk a little bit about this stuff and they just have this term which is you just got to get in there yeah and and that really is the case like go and study it if you want but the there is absolutely nothing that, that is better than just getting on and making a game just just on that point as well and this is again totally random but it is linked to what we're talking about i found myself recently watching uh basketball <laughs> great movie oh, yeah. great which movie. is a, a really daft film um but i found myself watching it one late night after a couple of nappy changes not mine my, my, my young my young my young boy yeah um, and it was on netflix i was thinking oh i haven't watched that for a long time yeah um the reason i'm linking this in is because i haven't watched it since i was like 15 or something right it's been it's been a while and um i've forgotten it but the way that film goes about itself, it's a great comedy. It's really, really dumb and daft. But they make up this game. Yeah. The, the life has been, uh, the, the world has been starved of, of sportsmanship and gamesmanship, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they make up this thing after they get challenged by two bros at a party, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, and they make yeah, up this yeah. thing on the fly. The whole point of what I'm trying to say is that they just they they, they don't kind of think about it. They just make it up on the fly, make yeah. some mistakes, yeah. and it becomes this cultural phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. reason they did that is because they just said, right, okay. What's our game? And then just make it up, figure and it, it out. It's the core along. of just a very good movie. Like it's still a yeah. funny movie. Yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah. but even in there, even in that, even in that bit, it's still creating something, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think if you, yeah, exactly. I think if you're just starting out, like if you're just trying to figure figure things out for yourself, like taking that approach is exactly what you need to do. Just just figure it out because when you get into professional level development, the ideal is. You, you already know you've prototyped out what basketball is going <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, yeah. Uh, you've you know you've estimated how long making basketball will take yeah yeah um, but yeah absolutely just getting stuck in and 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 figuring stuff out and seeing letting things go wrong when it's cheap to let things absolutely. go wrong yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 a very good point to end on. I would say a very good point to finish on. I was saying. Um, so while we go off and start pre-production on the basketball and chibi <laughs> robot game that we've decided <laughs> yeah. today, uh, the uh, I do have one question. And I think it's a good question to finish on the uh, okay. to finish podcast with. Uh, we asked Tom last week, so we're going to ask you as well. Right. Um, Merlin comes in the room right now, yeah. and he's like, "Pete, I got all the money. I got all the designers. I got all the production people you could ever want yeah. involved in it. What game are you making?" Pick anything in the world. This is... I was not prepared for this no, question. I know, I know. Uh, what game would I make? Um, oh, my gosh. I think the game I would make is... Do I have infinite budget? Uh, infinite budget. Absolutely oh, infinite everything. You can do whatever you wanted. Absolute tease. Uh, I would make a... I would make... I would make Skate 4. <laughs> uh, like, I, I would make... I would make a, yeah, proper full-on... Like, Extreme Sports is the other genre that I love. Um, and I would make a realistic skating game uh, that felt like I'd just go and hire the skate guys and just be like, you know what? Come I back, still guys. love you. Come back. <laughs> Come back. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'd go make that, that kind of a game, I think. It's a good challenge. What, what, what would you make? What would I make? Oh, I, oh I've got too many. I've got, well, no, I'd, I'd, I know what I'd make. Go on then. What would Basketball. you make? it's a great game it's a great I, concept. now that we're talking about that I want to play that I want to physically play that I on can my see PS4 like, a, like, a, right. like an old retro-y type uh, yeah. like old like, you like know, Scott, Mega Drive Scott Pilgrim yeah. Yeah. that yeah. kind of turn yeah. of yeah. or NBA, NBA Jam with like oh, photos yeah. of people like, yeah, running yeah. around oh yeah. that would be good yeah. right so if you are interested in that we need more of it Trace Stone Matt Parker you call alright I know you're listening out there so make sure you holler and get in alright so right no okay so thank you very much Yep. Pete for being with us today really really appreciate your time and your, your effort um, Matthew thank you very much again thank you uh, you do still have your homework which is the play save game for next okay, week okay I'll, I'll make a declaration between now yep. and the next episode I will play a Civ game I'll Good. tell you what hang on we'll do it this way okay you, you, I'll make, you have to play this one and then next week you have to pick one that I yeah. have to play okay. and then we will then discuss that on the You're next on. one and You're say, on. right it's okay. on so I better dust off the old snares I feel <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on um, like I say you can find us on all the good podcasting apps and usually mm-hmm. some crap ones as well uh, we're on Twitter Facebook LinkedIn you can find us on YouTube drop us an email find us on our website www.orcdigital.com finally uh, yeah thanks again Pete Thanks again, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Matthew, even, sorry. And uh, cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.